Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, we've got quite a, a full pod tonight, um, but but not a full roster. There's only there's only three of us here this evening. I'm joined by Craig Manson. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, all. How are we doing? And good evening, John Anderson. Good evening. I'm I'm really liking, if Johnny could just delay turning up for a while, I'm loving like having this bottom space to myself here. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say you're loving having me and Craig on top of you, John, and that was... Oh, uh... that's Saturday's uh, chat. (laughs) 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 Make a boy blush, Cam. uh, (laughs) Not very many people enjoy me being being, being on top of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a bit heavy for that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right, that's, that's, that's your that first one. strike, your first ever strike, Craig. I think that's actually his first that is, ever, that's well done. Well, it'll be beep, beeped out on the audio podcast anyway. Um, <laughs> if you're watching live, apologies for uh, Craig's little uh, slip up there. You'll be here for the rest of the podcast. And <laughs> um, we're on YouTube, Twitter and Twitch at the moment live. Um, we uh, will also make the podcast available for audio download afterwards uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Alexa, anywhere else you can get podcasts, you will find us. Um, we've also got Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast. And from £3 a month, you can get a bonus weekly episode that we record after the main podcast where, where we're allowed to swear, Craig. You just got the wrong part <laughs> of the show. Um, we kind of talk about stuff outside of Scottish Rugby, things that we, we don't really get time to talk about on the main podcast. That's where hands in the ruck is these days as well. Um, the big news, though... Um, just to remind everybody, we've talked about this on the last two podcasts, but this Saturday, Super Saturday, we will be at Portobello Rugby Club doing the podcast live. Uh, it'll be fun and games. I believe there's going to be a touch tournament going on as well. We will All the games are going to be broadcast live. Our plan is to do a pre-match preview live with a couple of guys from Portobello Rugby, and we'll all be there. We've got me, Craig, John, Ian, and Johnny all there. Do a pre-match chat do a bit of um, uh, halftime analysis and then we'll do we'll record a, a post-match podcast that will then be available for download afterwards uh, in audio format if I can work out how to record live. So that's a big <laughs> if. It's a big if. Hopefully you'll be able to all download that. Um, so that is um, all afternoon at Port Bell Rugby Club, I think probably from about one o'clock onwards. Um, we'll go, have all the games. We're going to do some Portobello, Porty V the Pod fun and games. We've got quizzes and drinking games, no doubt, as well. All sorts of fun. You, you, you used the, you said quizzes, multiple. Yes. Oh, Cameron. Oh, no, here we go. Don't, don't tease I've me, got, son. I have got, listen, hey, I've got a three-hour train journey on Friday night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, true, 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 true. I thought, I thought, I thought, I should really start planning what we're doing for the live pods this afternoon. And I thought, I've got a three hour train journey, I've got all the time in the world, <laughs> to do. Three hours so, prep time with what we usually do to prepare is, you know, God, that, that's like imagine. a lifetime. It's like using, it's like when someone uses the full capacity of their brain. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've slowly been preparing for the for the live pod um, by, I started with one drink. On the weekend, and then I built it up slowly, so that I don't look like a a doofus. Training hard. Oh, that's good. That's good. Training, Training hard. Good. I'm pleased to hear. Pleased to hear you taking it seriously, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. If you're going to be there, give us a shout because we want uh, as many of you lovely listeners to be there as possible. Um, hopefully there'll all be a full house as well. I think in the past they've served. There's been some sort of Lamb curry dish served for two pound a pop as well. I don't know if that's on this weekend, but that's a bargain. I'm gonna to have to turn up with a load of uh, with a Greg stash because I don't think there's any vegetarian <laughs> options. <laughs> just turn up with a few veggies and go, Look, could you just give me some of the sauce and get these sorted for me and get going? That's like I went once when I went to the both times I've been to the men's dinner at Berwick, and once I was a speaker, and once I went, I've been a couple of times with my dad as well as a guest. And um, I've I've done a kind of don't ask, don't tell policy with the gravy <laughs> <laughs> because it's delicious, but I don't want to know what's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I once it. I once let it slip to my, my vegetarian wife that my mum and dad just cooked the uh, Christmas um, uh, roast potatoes and goose and goose fat for the uh, 
uh, for Christmas, and it's her favourite part of the whole Christmas dinner. And I, I then accidentally slid it slipped it, and that she wasn't happy at all for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> there was a chip shop in Leeds used to deep fry. I think people still do like fry chips in dripping. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realise till I went in the second time to order chips and then said a big sign. You didn't, didn't realise when you were getting taken away on a gurney. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's enough of the chip chat. Anyway, um, we'll um, we've got some news this week. There's very a couple of bits of news. Uh, Leroy Atif- Atalifa, I pronounced that right, I believe. Craig yes. has re-signed for Ember today. Yeah, he has. Yeah, um, yeah. These are the sort of um, uh, meat and two veg guys that we need um, within the team that are going to be there whenever you you know whenever you need them, especially when the superstars are away performing as they are performing. Um, so um, he's, a, he's a good prop. He does a good job. Um, and uh, it's good. Uh, from what I can read, it's only just a, you know, well, in the usual way that they've described it, it looks like it's just a year extension. But um, uh, but it's, it's good to have him here. He's, he's fitted in well. He's doing, an, he's, doing a, he's doing a good job. So he deserves his, he deserves his extension. Good. Uh, the other news, which kind of has taken us by surprise tonight, and I believe Johnny may have some views on this in the Patreon pod later on, is uh, <laughs> JP Doyle is now um, head of high performance for um, referees and officiating at the SIU, which is kind of I don't know, it's kind of come from nowhere. That was JP Doyle not living in Scotland or something. He is now. This is the thing. He is because he's now he is here. Like this is a kind of a hell of a job. Share this, right? This is in the official. He was uh, worked as a referee and coach in the United States in Major League Rugby, and yeah. as a part-time teacher at Craig Clowen Preparatory School in That's Perthshire. Right. Yeah, How are you teaching. doing those two jobs? Is he just like like on a Wednesday, just like that's me? I'm jumping on a plane to the MLR. <laughs> so, do you remember what JP Doyle was like as a referee? Then you'll remember that his coaching mechanisms for teaching high performance referees in the US might not have been necessarily as robust as perhaps other people would would tend to do. So um, I would imagine he wasn't paying too much attention to his role over there. Yeah, well, look, it's it's quite exciting because they've also seemed to have announced. Now I don't know if this was already the case, but. This is to oversee Scotland's four full-time referees, Mike Adamson, Ben Blaine, Holly Davidson, and Sam Grove White. Now, I didn't know. I thought Mike Adamson was the only full-time referee that we had. I didn't know that the other three were full-time. If, if, Which is good news, if so. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. definitely. I knew something was coming because they were advertising for someone uh, within the vacancies part of the SRU. Um, that was a good couple of months ago. Um, but the, the surprise was JP Doyle. Um you know, I, I, but I think it's as uh, everybody from the other um, nations within the six nations have re- regularly said, we do need to coach our referees a little bit better for some reason. Okay, um, everybody uh, needs to coach the referees better. I don't think it's an, a uniquely I think, Scottish. I think you're right uh-huh. on that one. Definitely, definitely. Um, so uh, no, it's, it, hopefully it's a good thing. Hopefully, what, what, it's, which French club was it that we all thought had employed a referee as their defence coach? Was that Mon- was that Montpellier? Like, they had, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Well, yes, yes, and no. We kind of thought it was like exclusively as a defence coach, but it was more of a similar situation where they they kind of basically put a ref full time onto their payroll, but also had like defence professionals teaching how to defend, yeah. and he was almost like supporting that. But like the way the headlines where it was like, yeah, I don't have a coaching badge, but I'm going to do some defence coaching. Basically, he's running the gara. Yeah, <laughs> the um the the other kind of exciting thing is he's, he's going to um upskill referee coaches throughout Scotland. So it's not just the not just focused on elite level refereeing, um, and also ensure Scotland's refereeing representation continues at the highest level. And I think that's I, we've suffered with that, yeah, over the past few years. And it's good. With this, there's a good cohort, and I say good in the context of as good as any any international referees will ever be held up to to a, to a standard because it's rugby and i think was it always rassi rasmus was saying in his ridiculous interview that that referees now have to make something like 30 decisions for it at, at the breakdown 
any one time. Well, you know, he's not met a lot of the referees I know because they're certainly not making more than three, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of them, one of them, is to get out of the way. <laughs> but it is that thing, I suppose, of you know, Scott. You know, referees I don't think are particularly held in high regard internationally. Any, I don't, I don't know that there's any one referee you would say, oh, he gets everything. He's amazing. He gets everything right. Everybody's got their favourites, and everyone's got their the ones that we don't like. And I don't yeah, think anybody that's coming through the Scottish system is any worse than anybody else that's out there. I, I like Holly Davidson a lot. I think she's probably at, yeah. at the moment. I would say Holly Davidson's probably our best official. Yeah, I would. I would hundred percent agree with that. Um, you, know my, you know my views on Mike Adamson. I... But then I think I think it comes. The referee comes into it where you know he has. A, you know, a referee has had a good game if he, um, if your team has won, and if your yeah. team has yeah. lost, then it's then the referees had a really bad game. So it, it's kind of subjective. There's a simplicity to that, you know. You can, you can, uh, like, you can see games. Like, I would, I would argue, and we'll obviously come on to the Scotland Italy game. I would you argue, argue that, never. That, no, I know, right? No, it's not like me. I would argue that even though Scotland won, again, there was baffling decisions for both teams, and that to me then strikes of a bad game. Yet you could argue that he's doing it to both teams, so it's okay. But if you're doing, if you're getting decisions wrong for both teams, then you're having a bad game, um, and that to me has happened more this season than I. Maybe I'm paying more attention to it, but let's be honest, that's unlikely. I don't think decisions are necessarily wrong. I think so. They're all down to interpretation. Yeah. 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 They're never wrong. It's just you disagree with them, and and in most cases, you could come to a complete. Different view yeah. on what's happening. The, the advantage situation was wrong. It's difficult because there's definitely wrong decisions. You know, for example, Wayne Barnes was uh, refereeing at the weekend, and um, and one of the one of the uh, tries was dropped. And yeah. So that, so sure. that's a that's a wrong decision. But I, I understand exactly what you're saying, Cam. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, there is so much of. You know, because we talk, we'll talk about it about probably the, the England Ireland game. You know, it's I could probably argue that um, a lot of the scrummage decisions were interpreted in my mind wrongly. Um, so you know, the, 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 just as you say, it's it's down to each individual and it's down to each 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 team. And you know, I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah, as uh, Brody Duncan on the comments has said, uh, he did think it was weird when he saw JP Doyle on the roster of referees for the Murchison Castle Sevens as being <laughs> SIU. As being an SIU <laughs> what, what, hey, that's a hell of a climb down from the refereeing the LA Guillotines to the Murchison Castle Sevens. That's a magnificent <laughs> where's Dougie Donnelly as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> JP Doyle, I saw JP Doyle on the ref, on the referee roster for the Merchant Castle Sevens. He's not going to get a tan going to the Murky Sevens, that's for sure. No, he's not. <laughs> he, he was eating a steak bake and was sipping on a Greg's Latte. <laughs> um, so that's that. That'll be interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. That'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, do we want to talk about the 1872 Cup? It's kind of weird that it's happening on a Friday during an national window. When we said it, there would be no no crossover with, yeah, I think particularly a, particularly an eighteen seventy two match. I can understand a dead rubber against someone like Zebra, but do you know what I mean? It feels a bit, yeah, odd. It's it, it, I, I think it's it's a weird one because uh, uh, you know it, it's not serving either club at all. Because we're not going to get okay. Fair enough. We're, we're going to get a lot of the young boys out, and uh, and they'll get a chance to to live the eighteen seventy two cup, and they'll get the pressure, and they'll get the the um. So so yeah, it serves them quite well. But on the other side of things, it's a, you know especially uh, I think uh, there's been a couple of comments online about prices for for tickets uh, for um for Scotland, and it, so it's not really you know it, it's not serving the fans incredibly well. Um, on that side of things, you know, it's hard to justify when when the ticket prices are set. Obviously, and we've had this debate on here before, yeah, but the ticket yeah. prices are obviously set based uh, based on demand. But also this year, we're particularly set based on the idea that internationals were going to be available much more. You know, that was the the flagship URC 
uh, kind of bold proclamation, wasn't it? And obviously we're well aware that circumstances have dictated that that's obviously not not going to happen this year. You know, we're still in a global pandemic. So, you know, but then is there, is there an element of ticket prices maybe should be should be adjusted to maybe um, reflect the experience of the players who will be going out there? I don't think either team are going to necessarily have um, the, well, they're not going to have their internationals as for well there. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. it'll be, it'll be quite, uh, quite sparse. Is it yeah. really wrong of me to be hoping that uh, Blair Kinghorn doesn't get to go to Ireland? I mean, yeah, no, it's not wrong of you. You can, you can hope. Please feel free. Hope, hope. I'd, I'd quite, I'd quite like him to be available to uh, go to Weege. I did, I did enjoy the fact that um, the offside line gave Adam Hastings five out of ten just for being what I assume is up-to-date on his vaccines. Did what you had to do to be selected. Where others yeah. Well, uh, yeah, did what you had to do to be selected and be available for the team or something like that, wasn't it? It was like, it was total shade. Yeah. I don't know what the situation is with travelling to Ireland, Craig. Yeah, I, I haven't really looked it up to be honest with you. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I'd, you know, a lot of us have to get a shot to go over to Glasgow anyway. So you know, <laughs> <have> to... <laughs> I would presume that because Gregor Townsend said that a certain uh, King Blair Horn was only going to miss one match, I would presume that someone had read their travel status uh, website and knew that Ireland was probably okay. Yeah, yeah, but I think you've got. But Hastings is back in the squad now. I'm not going to get into a preview podcast here, but yeah, it, yeah. it'd be interesting to see who's released yes, from tomorrow yes. and if they then end up in the Ember and Glasgow squads because it's quite a short turnaround yeah. for them. It will be interesting. Okay. Um, the women's uh, Six Nations squad has been announced. Craig, um, we've got 35 women's squad um, named by Brian Eason. We're, we're going to do a, a proper full Six Nations preview next week. Um, and give it some proper time, but um, there's not any kind of particular surprises. I don't think in the in the squad it's fairly settled now. Yeah, um, it's it's a settled. Well, you'd be foolish to to go into such a major competition. Uh, well, in my humble opinion, you'd be foolish going into a major competition with uh, without the team members that have just got you qualified for uh, for the World Cup. They've been playing together, um, you know. For some time now, um, the addition, this the additions um, that have been brought in have have performed very very well. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a strong squad. I, you know, um, I think we've got a good chance of uh, taking a couple of scalps. Um, you know, but uh, we'll see how many points England are going to put across everybody else. Well, that's true. That's what it might come down to. And again, we'll um, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. In a bit more detail. Absolutely. Give it, give it the time it needs. Um, shall we do then? I think that's it for the new, no other news. Don't think Glasgow haven't re-signed anybody or signed anybody, have they, John? No, just no. Uh, Darge, Darge was last week, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we did yeah, Darge, Darge was last week. week. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that annoyed quite a few people, that was, which was pleasant on Twitter. <laughs> Let's do the Italy game then. <laughs> we'll get, get around to it. Um <sighs> It just felt deeply unsatisfying. That's yeah. where I am with it. And you know, I know David Barnes was on Twitter saying, you know, we're a result. It's a results-based business. Why is everyone so down? But it was twenty minutes of just at the end, twenty minutes of just Nothing. amateur level brain farts. It was like they they were on the plane home. Yeah, the. They sweat, they put they basically won the game in a twenty minute period and it was it was telling the the first twenty, thirty minutes were deeply unsatisfying and you know, we scored a couple of tries kind of in spite of ourselves and then a couple couple of decent tries after half time, but really we never ever looked and I think the problem is we never looked in any danger, but also we never looked like we were going to tear them apart. And I think Scotland fans have been clamouring, certainly I've been clamouring for them to cut loose and really just give someone an absolute spanking. And Italy were there for that and should have been there for that. And like, no disrespect to Italy, I think they played 
much better than they have, but ultimately they're they're not a team that we should be considering to even be remotely in the same league as us, and we should be looking to absolutely smack them about. And we didn't. We let them play, and our discipline, which we'll come on to, was was the key in that. We we just we let them in, and then as you say, twenty minutes to go. Um, I'm fairly sure we we must have removed most of our players because. Um, well, <laughs> we didn't actually. We kept them all on, despite the fact they were all blown. But you know, let's let's uh, let's not worry too much about that. Eh? The the guys were were halfway home, as you say. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's strange, Craig, because the only player who took the game by the scruff of the neck was Ali Price. And it's argued, I mean, he played a part <clears throat> in pretty much every try that Scotland scored and was instrumental in them all. It's kind of concerning in a way that. Were it not for Ali Price, that the outcome of that game could have been very different because he was the what he was the only one who took the chances when they were there. Yes, um, I agree with you on that. But again, we go back to this point of we have certain individuals within the team who decide to take it themselves and to get on with things, and they have to. They they almost, you know. It's it's almost the, the whole thing, but you know, Hoggy did exactly the same, but he didn't he didn't get the results that he was looking for because he never gets the results currently that he's looking for when he decides that he's going to overplay and and not that I'm saying Ali Price overplayed. I'm just saying that it, it shouldn't be down to Ali Price to 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 take his moments and get on with it. It should be down to the whole team to to work with him. Um, I I I was I. There was a couple of times he went down some blind alleys and he got he got a fair smacking around, but that's going to happen. But I think he he deserved his man of the match. Um, uh, I think actually both him and Pierre Schumann um, played played incredibly well, and Schumann's and um, and what uh, you know he certainly answered his his critics of you know he's he's as we discussed before he's really grown into into an international player um and i certainly wouldn't want i don't know what player it was but i wouldn't want to be on a, on the end of a ruck clearance that was um, brutal <laughs> that was absolute brutality fully, fully, fully lawful but wow I, I wouldn't have wanted to be on the end of that one i was um, really surprised they didn't take a look at it though just yeah, just yeah. because of the ferocity but it was unreal i've i've not seen a clear out like that in many a year that was really really i mean massive and it's what Scotland needed they needed someone mm. like Schumann to be like I'm going to go and absolutely obliterate someone just to try energy confidence things that we've associated with a Scotland team since the World Cup none of it was there and I think I, I take the point you're making about Ali Price Craig I think it's more like every every player has to make their individual moments happen and yeah. I think Ali Price had a couple of couple of moments of of almost magic, but also he played his role very well. He created things. He he had composure when others didn't. Mm. Um, the thing for me is he should have been off at sixty minutes because Velikot mm. was Velikot should have been brought on at sixty. Ali Price was knackered. He was like, watch. So first sixty minutes, watch his breakdown speed. It's good. Gets the breakdowns. He makes his passes. He's there most of the time. After sixty minutes, it's every third ruck he's hitting, mm-hmm. and he's 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 puffing. And when he comes off, I mean, we've all looked at backs when they come off, and uh, it, it looked like a prop forward waddling off. But this is the, this is this is my big problem with the whole um, substitutes. Uh, bin juice, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, they sh- uh, given someone five minutes at the end Jesus. is an absolute joke. Well, why, why bother? And and you know, because Velikot, uh, Velikot, when he came on, looked incredibly up for it. Yeah. And and I, and I think you know, and it's the same thing with George. The same thing with George Horn. George Horn always, when he was coming off the bench, if he got a proper amount of time, he would turn that. He would turn the turn the game on its head, or at least he would add to the um, add to what's going on. Um, but you know, and the same with Hastings. You know, you've got Hastings there for a reason. Use him. Didn't he get him five minutes at the end? I'm um, very surprised with the Hastings one as well, actually, because Finn Russell wasn't playing well. No. No, so, and neither was Stuart Hogg. And I think this this is what it comes down to is a kind of a third third game in a row now where we're saying Hogg and Russell, I don't know what it is. 
don't know what his game plan. Russell just doesn't look like he's able to make things happen. I mean, yeah, you know, he threw the pass for Darcy's try, but he's sit, they've got him sitting really deep yeah. at times in attack. Yeah. And he's a player that likes to take it to the line a lot. So I don't know if this is the new attack coach, if it's the Townsend thing or what, but it just, it's not working. Whatever they're trying to do isn't working. And at times it didn't look like the players really knew what they were supposed to be doing or where they were supposed to be standing. But even in the last, that that last Italy try, the defence, nobody knew where they were supposed to be in defence. And that's really worrying. You see everybody shouting at each other, but no one's actually taking control and mm. like organising. And I think on on the Finn thing, I I think there is an element of the new attack coach. But actually, we're probably are we being harsh because we're judging the impact of a new attack coach versus the defence coach? Obviously, Tandy came in and almost had an instant impact. Whereas Scotland have had some really good attack coaches for a long time, and maybe. You know, again, it's a results-based business. Maybe this guy just isn't quite as as good as some of the guys we've had. But Finn Russell, to me, looked absolutely shattered. He looked like a guy who had played two seasons of rugby consecutively. Mm-hmm. And he looked like a guy who needed a break. And I think you'll find, look, summer tour, he's not going to be going on that. Let's be, let's be fair. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see him take a, a decent chunk of time off rugby just over the summer months to try and recharge. Because he looks... You're, he is deeper, but he's not able. He's not got that burst of pace just to take it to the line. He's not got that. He's not, he's not got that desire to take it to the line because his body's been battered for two years. He probably. I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, um, especially with a lot of the criticism that's been put towards him regarding getting back at, back into the into the attack, etc. He is looking a little bit jaded. Yeah, desires the right word. Um, he doesn't seem to have a desire to. Whereas he was making when he was making his name and he was looking for the big contract and this that he had the desire. He was playing well, but French rugby, as we all know, when you're playing for the playing the top fourteen, um, and you you're, you're an internationalist, you ain't it's getting any time off whatsoever. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it was a lion's year, so yeah, he's went yeah. the top fourteen. He's played through to the semis of the top fourteen. Went straight onto the Lions tour, got injured, sat with an injury, then played the final test, then came straight back. I think he had three weeks off, mm-hmm. and he then went straight back into the top fourteen. He's yeah. had two weeks off for racing throughout the season, and he's been he played for Scotland in the autumn. He's played for Scotland in the Six Nations. It's a grueling schedule. I think there's something as well yeah. about, and I think this probably applies to Hog as well. Is when when you're physically tired, then it takes a toll mentally as well, and so it affects your decision making. Yeah, I just don't think that Hogg and Russell at the minute are seeing what's in front of them and they're not making the right decisions at the right time. And the decisions they're perfectly capable of making, yeah. like with, with Hogg, we've seen Hogg make the right decisions with his with time to kick and time to run. But we've also seen times when he's constantly run up a blind alley and tried to take up a take, take a game by the scruff of the neck when he really doesn't need to. And I think that's the that's. Finn looks shaken when he's tired and he's not off his game and Hogg tries to overplay. Yeah. And and that's what they're both doing. And I think you're right, John. I think you've hit nail on the head. I think they're both tired. Yeah. And I think... You, I think when you go sorry. Back, no, go on, you go, John. Go on, no, go I was just, just going to say, and then, and then you look at the different ways they handle that as well and look at their personalities. And again, you've got that, you know, Russell, the way Russell kind of... Russell doesn't look happy, but he also... All, Almost, it's masking that by the laughing, the smiling, the the kind of just. He does. He's not. He's not as confident as he usually is. Whereas Hog, you see the frustration creeping into Stuart Hog's game. You see the the punch punching his hand. How many times did you see that at the weekend? The amount of mistakes he's making. And for me, Hog's a guy who he makes mistakes and then he compounds them. He's he's not able to bounce back as well from mistakes as Russell does, but. Russell's making mistakes and then compounding them just now as well. So they're both, they're almost feeding off each other's negativity. Yeah. I did enjoy Scott Hastings claiming that Stuart Russell is now the only player in the world who can do a spiral kick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hastings had some belters at the weekend, let's be honest. Uh, big fan of his Galileo chat. 
Um, I don't know what it was He'd in context. Sat, it wasn't in context. He'd obviously written it before the game. <laughs> yeah. And then decided halfway through, I really need to have... Look, I've spent an entire afternoon looking up Galileo on Wikipedia <laughs> under lists of famous Italians. I need to use this quote. We're going to have to go into Wikipedia and go into you know Plato and Galileo and all, and 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 all these different and, and just add a wee nugget in there to see if he's going to get caught out on it. You know, it's, know. A, it's, it's a new a new stream for you, Cam. I know philosophers. I've got to find philosophers associated with Six Nations rugby matches. Yeah. To try and catch Scott Hastings out. Charles Charles Le Gaulle. We could probably do something with him. I bet he'll get a wee mention when we play France next. So we could possibly do something there. Yeah, oh, to do, yeah. It's too wide to range. That's too wide ranging for me to go and try and change. The thing is, so and and I don't know if this is just because I'm I'm feeling meh about what's going on at the moment with the Six Nations, uh, with Scotland, but I also felt that, and and uh, please to everyone out there, this isn't a dig at Glasgow players. It really isn't. It's just unfortunate that. That it's, it's just, players they're going to dig at. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I just felt that you know um, that Stain had a lovely moment of genius with that with that kick over for Chris Harris his, Chris Harris's try, but you almost could put Tuipulotu and Sam Johnson in and out, and you wouldn't. I, I honestly don't think you'd notice a difference. And I, I wasn't so sure that Stain, Stain, I thought, I don't know whether it's his gait, I don't know how, whether it's how he runs, but he, I felt he looked slow. But am I, am I reacting because I'm used to seeing Darcy running at 600 mile an hour or his legs are going at 600 mile an hour? <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what it is about, the, not so much you, Stain, but more the 12 position that just seems a bit meh at the moment. I don't think you're wrong because it, with Stain, I mean, Stain's tackle success was 50% of the weekend, which is pretty poor. Um, and he made, he conceded three turnovers and made three handling errors, which is amongst the highest in the, the team. You look at the center, actually, Sam Johnson and Chris Harris both on 92 and 87% yeah. tackle completion. So that's a really, that's a pretty solid pairing. Mm. But I don't know. I, I agree with you, Craig. I thought, you know, Kyle Stain is. You know, I had a great game against Tonga, and everyone was absolutely convinced because he'd got on the end of some balls, some ends of some passes that he was the next. You know, he was the next option at wing, but he had an all right game. I'm not saying he had a bad, but I, that's a pretty. The, the stats don't lie, and that's a pretty poor defensive performance. I mean, nobody else had a great day at the office, but that's particularly poor. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you know Duham would have done necessarily done any better. It's just that's a that wasn't a great defensive performance against an opposition like Italy, and and you know I'm I'm really happy for Italy that they scored the twenty two points because I really hope that'll do something for their confidence, and I think we we need a competitive Italy in the Six Nations, mm. but you know it's great for their confidence, but I don't think any of that was down to any Italian brilliance, more so just our complete and uh, defensive collapse on Scotland's part, which Kyle yeah. Stain was unfortunately kind of at fault for, for a couple of those. And also the, the point, sorry, John, but just to, just oh. to, just to add on to my point, it, it, it's not, the problem I have is that if you say to me, come back to me and say, right, well, Craig, okay, get rid of Kyle Stain. Who else would you put in for that? For those that were available that weekend, I'm not entirely sure. Is is Rufus McLean the answer? Um, I haven't he's, really looked at his he's stats. He's injured anyway, mate. He's injured anyway. So, you know, do you think he would have started if he wasn't injured? There's, there's Sean, well, there's Sean Maitland, but he said he's not prepared to be. He's not prepared to come up unless he's he's got a chance with coming up with with coming in because he's got a young family, and that's they listen to his age. That's understandable. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a difficult one, and and as I say, Kyle Stain has is a great player for Glasgow, and he does a great job for Glasgow. Um, and he has, just as you say, he's been on the end of some good some good passages of play. And he was almost on the end of a fantastic kick, and he would have got a try um, <laughs> if uh, Sammy Johnson hadn't decided to say, screw you, I'm going to have that myself. Um, so, but uh, it, it, I just don't know. I just, I, it just, it's interesting. I mean, John, Brody Duncan, Kyle Rowe, we've seen the pictures of him in mullet and 
I've flown all the training pictures. Why, you know, that there's there's an Italy game. We know what Kyle Stain can do against that opposition. Why not give him a run? It seems on reflection a, a weird decision. Well, I think I think it all comes down to the very thing you said right at the start. This is a results based business. And Gregor Townsend is under pressure again. And whether whether we, we can talk all we want about credit in the bank and what have you, he's had a very, very... This has been a very poor Six Nations for Scotland so far. England game, we won it in spite of ourselves. The last two games have been very poor. And they have been a backward step. Certainly in defence, we've, we've not looked nearly as stable as we have done previously. Um, So, I think the option to gamble against Italy was removed when we got scudded by France. So Kyle Rowe's Kyle position was gone at that point. Stain's a solid, dependable person. Yes, he missed tackles. Uh, the two wingers were both... Now, I'm going to I'm going to say this, and this is, again, not... And actually, I'm blaming the, the, third, the third wheel in all this. Both wingers had a poor game defensively, and I think there was an element of what was behind them was causing a lot of problems from a system point of view. Because Stain missed tackles, Darcy Graham missed tackles. There was a turnstile standing behind them as well, which was causing problems. There's, for me, Stain, Stain done all right. He's not, he's not, like I've and to be very clear, I've never proclaimed him to be the next the next coming of anything. I think he's a very, very solid club player who can do a job internationally, but he's not gonna he's not gonna be world class. And that that's the thing. And I think if other people had been available, they would have played. Yeah. Um Darcy Gray just just for uh, completion, Darcy Gray made sixty seven percent of his tackles and Stuart Hogg made seventy one percent. So across the back three, it's not great. Do, do you know out of the whole of Scotland? Do you know who had the highest percentage of dominant tackles in that game? Across well, I have, got, I have, got, I have got the stats in front of me, but I'm, I'll, I'll let you have it because I promise. Is it Gilchrist? No, it's Darcy Graham. Darcy Graham. <laughs> the thing is, the problem is, and 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 you know, things get bad when you've got a twelve-year-old on his first on his first uh, cap for Italy, um, powering over. And scoring tries a, a, through your defence. A twelve-year-old who looks like he hasn't seen the sunlight ever. A twelve-year-old who looks like he might actually be in twilight. Yeah, he looks like one of the moody ones in the background. Mind you, he does. Yeah, yeah, I, he probably does. Yeah, yeah. Like I was fairly sure he was sparkle when he scored these tries. I was concerned about his vampiric nature. What happened to what happened to vampires not going out in the sun and burning? I know, right? That. No, I, Young people well, have changed the rule. You can't change the rules on vampires. Yeah, no. Like one one book lady changed that because it wouldn't be romantic enough. Like if you like, you're like, oh look at me, I'm a monster. Apparently what a load of woke like, nonsense! I know. That's <laughs> Get that clacks out, Cameron. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Dominic. <laughs> Dominant tackles percentage is closely closely following Darcy Graham. Is Kyle Stain, by the way? So ten percent. Yeah, that's true. That is, yeah, is, that's that's one thing I would say. However, though, if you if you if you do watch, and that that is probably what disappointed me the most was was the fact that the Italian forwards were were getting five yards or or, or, or sorry, and, and let's go to modern standards, five meters. Um, through every every collision, yeah. there was there were very rarely were they getting put back and and uh, you know uh, back on their on on their on their backsides, um, and so it was it was I I found that difficult to watch because I just felt you know uh, it, I know that we've I've always talked about how the Italians have got are getting their act together with their forwards and they've got a very strong forward pack, but surely we should be so you know we've we've got a strong forward pack should they not be putting them and 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 you look at George Turner George Turner is a is 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 growing and growing as a player and he's looking really really good but then he does something silly like he, he, like he does he 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 went in over a ruck just the same aggression as Pierre Schumann but went straight off his feet yeah and it was like how long have you been playing now as a professional rugby player come yeah. on 
And then it's just little things because I, don't get me wrong, I, I think he's the future. I, I love him as a player. I really, you know, he really he's he's um, he's he's burst through on the wing to set up the first try. It was absolutely phenomenal. So I'm not I'm not trying to take it. It's not it's not so much him. It's more the fact of the, the decision making, the, the decision making, and, and empowering yeah. the guys to make these decisions. You know, and it's like well, well, the, the case point with the the line out that we got pinged for, where the referee clearly. Told Xander, you can't Steve. join the line out until it's formed, mm. until it's thrown in. That's you mm. know you have you, you're standing as a receiver, and yet he joined it before it had been thrown. And it's you're given a warning, you're told by the referee, and it's just at that level you have to listen and you have to react. There were so many things we got. Just the, the fact that we've been pinged for offside. Yeah. It's such yeah. a simple thing. It's such an easy thing not to do. But to be fair, I would rather we were being pinged for offside and making sure that we're still smashing people behind the game line in front, not yeah. to an Italian pack. Yeah. We were yeah. doing both. We were conceding offsides, but we were also giving them five metres on every carry. And I think, like, for me, so it looked like a team shot of confidence, right? You've got your key decision makers completely out of form. You've got a, you've got players. Um, there's a couple injuries, but you've got players who are really just trying to find their feet in this team. Confidence looked completely lacking, and what it, the and the Xander thing for me was really interesting. I think in attack, what Scotland have just now is that lack of confidence then breeds. So you always talk about what what do you do under pressure? You go back to process. And what they were doing was they were brain dead following attacking structures or what I've been told to do. Xander's standing there going, but I've been told to go in the line out. The referee's told me not to, but I don't know what to do. And the confidence aspect of it, they're not able to make those decisions and adjust, which is why you're seeing so many breakdown penalties. You're seeing so many attacking errors because people are just not able to think because they're so lacking in confidence. And we come back to what well, who who are we missing in the pack? You're missing Jamie Ritchie. And I do wonder Jamie if we're missing Ritchie. someone. We're miss, you you're missing what you're missing is and this is something I'm not coming back to. I know Johnny's not here, and I you know I kind of feel like I'm subtweeting him on the podcast, but like fullbacks as captains. We've lost a big leader in Jamie Ritchie in the forwards. And you need, I'm not sure who the leader in the forwards is right now. I don't know who's the one that's saying, come on, lads, let's stop giving away these stupid penalties. Let's get it together. Who's the one that's speaking to the referee? Who's the one that's... You would expect it to be Grant Gilchrist based on experience. And... You would do. And, you know, and a Grant Gilchrist has been fine and actually got through a hell of a lot of work at the weekend. Yeah, he's done well. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Grant really... Gilchrist. He's fine. He's been fairly consistent across the Six Nations. I don't think, though, that he's the kind of player that will do that kind of, you know, the organisation and the come on and gathering every round and saying, we need to just sort ourselves out. I'm not sure he's a leader like that. I'm not sure he's a leader in that sense of, you know, this isn't working. We need to try something else. Let's problem solve on the hoof. Yeah. I'm not. I, ju- I just don't think that's there in the forwards, and I don't know. I think it's it's, it's Jamie Ritchie and Johnny Gray not being there. Yeah, and, and even Scott Cummings as well. Not to highlight like Glasgow players or former Glasgow players, but <laughs> I think they're. Very, I, I just no. I think they are both very like for yeah. that that part of things. They are talented players. I think Jamie Ritchie is to to add balance. Jamie Ritchie is the massive loss in that pack. I think he is. He's the absolute leader in that group. I don't think you've got a natural leader there. If you look at the the, the, the starting eight, the fact that a guy like Matt Fagerson, who's not necessarily a natural leader, was standing out in terms of his aggression and the way he was kind of smashing people and almost geeing people up with that. That's you need you need someone to still keep ahead and talk and just absolutely get things done. Jamie Ritchie being missing massive massive loss, and you see it. For me, there's there is a lack of intelligence. If you look at the Scotland pack as they as they were at the weekend, there's a lack of intelligence there in the way think the way people were approaching it. Xander, for all his talents, is really brain dead at times, and has yep. been throughout his career. And that was replicated throughout that front eight. 
Johnny, we're just saying that fullbacks are crap captains. Yeah, basically. I agree with that. Yeah, because they drink, they drink protein shakes and don't like sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make a drinking game out of uh, your sleeves, Johnny. Um, it's going to be like, oh, he turns out it's the gun shoe. <laughs> well, when, when, when he, on the live pod, whatever he wears with sleeves are getting taken off. Absolutely. No, I'm, yeah, bringing, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm bringing yeah. scissors. Drink a, pint, drink a pint through them. Please don't. <laughs> pint, pint I've got a Scotland vest if you'd rather wear that. I just, I, I just want to pick up one thing, though, John, and, and I'll, I'll say this, and, I, I'm, and, and there might be howls from the, the East Coast, but if Johnny Gray and Grant and, and uh, Scott Cummings weren't injured, you wouldn't have Grant Kilchrist on the pitch. No, no, no. you absolutely wouldn't. You absolutely so, wouldn't. so that's that's the that you know. Uh, so if we're saying that you know Grant Kilchrist really should you know with his experience etc should be leading, well, not really because he's not used to being on. He's not used to I being. Was, Suggesting I think that, that he was leading because he's he's the next off the rank. I no no. I, and I it's a fa- I think I it's a but that's I think it's a failure of coaching though that yeah once once those leaders have gone that there isn't uh, there there isn't any natural leaders within the pack. Let's yeah. let's but, be honest though. Gilchrist has been talked up as a natural leader. You know we had the the the, the famous uh, Vern giving him the captaincy. Um, all, all those years ago, and um, he's he's always been there, around. and he is a leader. He's captained Edinburgh many, many times. Mm-hmm. He is a leader, and he should like for me. Doesn't matter if you're third choice, you're 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 there, and half half the battle. And we've joked about this this week, but a massive part of being the best in your position is being available to play. <laughs> and Gilchrist is the guy in charge just now, and for me. There, you know, there's a leadership aspect there that maybe whether he's expected to do it or not, I would expect I would be expecting him to be kind of stepping up and just being able to lead with the AGS, the amount he's went through with Edinburgh, you know, the amount he's been through with Scotland as well. But you're right, you know, maybe maybe the fact that these he is third choice, there there might be a coaching failure there that mm-hmm. is almost like we concentrate in the front two. And then, oh, you're next off the rank, but nah, we don't really expect much of you, mate. It's fine. Which yeah. would be a shame. Johnny, what's your take on the kind of leadership across Scotland at the minute? Because we just, I think the points we were making before you came on was just, it all seems very directionless on the pitch in defence and attack. Yeah. Um, I think we've we've said this before, that that some of the people who we look to as leaders seem to think that that means doing everything themselves which it doesn't necessarily and and especially for someone whose personality is like hoggy the more he does it himself the more he starts to force things and the the less likely they are to come off i think what what we kind of need is is maybe almost even a bit of sort of selfless leadership to be a bit more pragmatic and and to not try and take on so much i, I don't think that that being a captain and a, and a main playmaker suits Hoggy. I think it's too much for him to try and do at one time, personally. Yeah. Agreed. Is there anything yeah. else we need to cover from the weekend? Uh, I would... I, sorry, only go, mate. I was just going to say, no, we've talked vampires, we've talked leadership, we've talked confidence. Um, there's going to be plenty in Hands of the Rock. Alan McDonald has suggested that the factor fifty for vampires—that's that's how they're all out in the daylight these days. Ah, modern science. Yeah, that's yeah. what. That's why I didn't have factor um, fifty back in Nosferatu's day, did you? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, that's a new compound. I would say, I would say, however, that Luke Pierce, um, no matter what anybody says about referees, did a did a, a very very good job when it came to. Um, I thought, I thought, I, I thought he, yeah, and I think, um, I think for. You know, um, I, again, we go back to what you said, Cami, about um, it's all subjective. But I thought, you know, he is slowly but surely coming into the point of being one of the best referees that the, there is within the group. Of I think he's great. I like Luke Pierce yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, very, very clear, very, very instructive. Talked to it. Didn't get didn't get too much into the whole thing of, you know, get your hands out of the air or you know all that sort of thing. He was kind of. He was a little bit less instructive on the field, but he's he's very clear when he's talking to people. I don't I don't know if it's his communication style that makes him like for for me. I would I would suggest he was one of the more coachy referees, 
but it's maybe just his communication style because he's so clear that you actually hear it more. Yeah. But I, I certainly was frustrated at the weekend with the amount of coaching he was doing, particularly on kick, kick return. Yeah. Um, particularly on, on like he screamed, he did scream at one point. 11, 11, 11. 11. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell him he's offside, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to let it slip that decision regarding the advantage for Scotland and that let's just let it play, let's just see what happens. That was re- that was actually ridiculous. And Scotland ended up kicking from 20 meters behind. Because he's just decided, you know what? No, I'm just going to keep the advantage going for ages. Despite the fact every other advantage, he was playing like three plays and going. It yeah. was it, that was baffling to me. And there was there's been the some insanely long advantages this yeah. tournament. Yeah. Was it yeah. was it on Friday night? There was a there was one that was just like unbelievable. Yeah, they really need to start thinking about like for me the advantage situation needs to be looked at as a Right, so if it's a penalty, I get that actually a penalty is a point-scoring opportunity. So advantage, therefore, is you have to create a point-scoring opportunity or or something equal to that. On a knock-on, like if Ali Price turns around to you and says, I'll have the scrum, sir, there's no advantage being gained. Like As long as you pass the point where the, the knock-on happens, that's advantage gained and it should just play on. But if you're going twenty meters behind where you are, that's that's not advantage. Yeah. Good. We'll sort out the did you, uh, did you mention the fact that uh, Kyle Stain better never pay for a drink around Sam Johnson ever again? By the way, because that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so sorry for him. I actually, well, I watched it back just before we came on, and part of me wondered the line that Sam Johnson runs. I, I'm not. I'm not sure how much of it might have been a bit of a planned move, <laughs> because I don't think because because Kyle Stain's flat completely flat-footed. If he'd caught that pass, I don't think he would have scored. Yeah, watching it back, I I think he would have scored. He didn't have even if even though he was like at a complete standstill, he didn't have much to do. No, but there was still an Italian defense were coming across. I think it's just Sam Johnson comes in on a real proper arc. Mm. And actually, on the kind of arc, I wonder whether or not Kelstein was actually in the right place, standing in the right place. Yeah, you, so, see, so, you can see Steno laughing when he's running along behind. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well. yeah. Which maybe suggests oh, you've just nicked that straight out of my hands. But... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we've all done that laugh, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. Well, like, well, look, that that's it for this week, anyway. On the main podcast, um, like I said. It, Looking forward to seeing as many of you as can make it to Port Bell Rugby Club at the weekend. Give us a shout on uh, Twitter and Facebook if you're coming down. We'll look forward to seeing you all. Um, Patreons, if you hang around, if you're watching live, you can uh, catch the Patreon live stream after this. Um, If you're listening, you can listen to the separate episode on the audio podcast as well. For the moment, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig, John and Johnny. Bye. Bye. Bye.